Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. It looks like a Bluetooth speaker or an old Nokia cell phone, but that's a disguise. Inside these small devices is everything car thieves need to break into your vehicle. There are Telegram channels now where, for a few thousand dollars, you can buy a device that will break into a car in seconds. Here to walk us through this and show us what's going on is motherboard reporter Joseph Cox. JC, how are you doing today? All good. Thank you again for having me. All right. So let's start with a a video. I'm going to show the people that are watching the live stream so they can kind of see what we're talking about here. Uh, Briefly, for those that are not watching uh, at home but are listening after the fact, can you kind of break down what it is we are about to see? Yeah, sure. So this is going to be somebody who is selling some uh, car stealing technology, which is hidden in like a, the old case of a Nokia 3310. I think it is, you know, the, the classic Nokia phone. And what they're doing is they're pushing the button and it says, look, the engine's not starting. Okay, well, I plug in this magic Nokia phone by a USB. I hit a few buttons to select options. Now, something in this phone is talking to the car, going to try the engine again, and then it turns on. It's almost like magic when you watch it in the video. So I've got another one I'm going to pull up. Uh, This one is similar, but it's using... It's on a Jeep, is that right? Or a Kia? Yeah, yeah, I think a Jeep, or at least like that sort of size of vehicle, right? But... uh, yeah, there's the Bluetooth. So rather than the Nokia uh, casing, it's now sort of in the case of a Bluetooth speaker that you might, you know, take when you go outside and have a picnic or whatever. And here it, it is plugged. I can't quite tell if it's plugged in or not, but he's pushing the buttons and showing, hey, look, the door is closed. Now I'm going to push this button again, and then the door will open. Basically the same sort of thing. Um but yeah, in a, in, a, in a different casing. And obviously we'll get into this, but as you can probably tell, a legitimate locksmith does not need something that unlocks a car hidden inside a Nokia 3310 or a Bluetooth speaker. These are straight up, obviously, for criminals. Uh, sorry about everyone missing him. There's a technical issue with the way that OBS grabs the images. Uh, it is a Toyota SUV or truck of some sort, chat says. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. So this is basically like a little fob hidden inside a small device that people just could magically unlock cars. Is it that simple? So inside is a few components which relate to um, CAN, uh, C-A-N, which is sort of a, a protocol or a standard that vehicles use for sending messages internally. You know, so I want to turn the headlights on. What the device is doing is connecting, as far as I remember, to the CAN bus. And now that is sort of more on the hardware side, you know. So you plug in these cables and you can use this device to send uh, those messages. Now, obviously, if you're on the outside of the car because the door is locked, you have to find a way to plug this in. 
Uh, and in one of those videos, it showed the sort of the wires were coming out of uh, just above one of the wheels. Uh, that's obviously because they've had time to prepare and pull the cables out. But a researcher that we spoke to uh, has had this happen to them. And what happened was were thieves just took off the headlamps of their vehicle. And you can access the internals of the vehicle through that way. So you go, you rip it off, you plug the device in, you then use that to open the door, then you get in and then you you turn the engine on. So you do have to sort of breach the perimeter of the car in a way, but you can do it very, very quickly without like smashing the window or something like that. Uh, Tech Ghoul in chat asks why the Nokia form factor, these could be any object. No, I have, a, I have my speculation on that uh, and I don't know would be that if you're in a car and it just looks like you're plugging your phone into charge or plugging a phone into charge, uh, it is less suspicious than perhaps many other objects that whatever's going on could be hidden inside, right? Yeah, it's that kind of, well, pr- less suspicious than, you know, like something that looks like a computer or something like that. Uh, probably relatively cheap to manufacture because it's just a bit of, you know, crappy plastic casing. I would say, though, that if I see somebody walking around with a Nokia phone, I'm like, that's a criminal. That's like 100%. <laughs> what, what are they doing? Or if they're walking around with a BlackBerry, a BlackBerry in 2023, that's a criminal, 100%. Obviously, I'm joking a little bit, but like to me, it's pretty suspicious. I mean, it's, it, it's weird, but I don't know if I would clock it the way you would because of it's because of the, the places that you hang out and the knowledge that you have, right? Sure. Sure. Uh, but, but the, the commenter is, is right in that, you know, the, the, that, that's sort of what's going on here. Yeah. So where did you get, where did you get these videos? They're all, we've posted them on the motherboard web on the motherboard YouTube channel, uh, so they can be embedded in this story, but we are not the origin of them. Correct. Yeah, I mean, just to give a little bit of background on how this came about, there uh, were a pair of cybersecurity researchers uh, who were credited in the piece, and they wrote about this issue, very much on the technical side, you know. Uh, but we were more interested sort of in the ecosystem, the the, the business side. So after that uh, research blog post came out, our editor, Jason Kebler, went and he searched around and he immediately found some of these videos and websites. And these are just on YouTube. You can go find them if you know how to do it. I'm not going to say the the exact terms. Uh, you can also find websites where they're selling it. So, And then I went and then I found some more as well. So these videos are just off the YouTube account of somebody claiming to sell um, these devices. And YouTube, it's uh, we're we're so scared of YouTube's automatic flagging algorithm. I guess it doesn't look like anything that an AI would recognize as crime, right? Somebody would have to report it. No, but that's yeah, I mean, neither it, it looks here nor it there. looks very innocent. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. going back to the phone point, it really just does look like somebody is plugging a phone into a car. You know, like how are you going to stop that? Yeah, you know, and, and and should you even stop that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what are you going to do, <laughs> right? If right. unless it's your car. Uh, anyway, um, what's actually in there? I assume not the guts of a Nokia phone or a Bluetooth speaker, right? No, no. So it's actually really, really cheap stuff. There's like, I don't know, 10 bucks worth of equipment. And it's just these very small circuit boards, which are used, uh, to send messages, uh, can messages to the can bus. So I think there's like a couple of chips and then one other one. Uh, but this is very much off the shelf 
sort of stuff that you could probably just buy online and, and cobble together. Like it's not exactly like a raspberry Pi, so like I wouldn't exactly compare it to that, but if you're thinking about size and cost, that's not a bad comparison. You know, you can imagine a Raspberry Pi little circuit board. Imagine something like that size being shoved into a Nokia. Another thing I was thinking about, somebody in chat just brought this up, is that like it also reminds me of like a Flipper Zero, right? Like any of these small devices that have a little bit of circuit boards and can kind of communicate to other devices in a bunch of different ways, right? Um, obviously, CAN is a very specific like language that's two cars, uh, but it's also been it's also fairly old, if I remember correctly, right? Um, yeah, I mean, this is the standard. It's been in boats. It's been in other, uh, you know, automotive as well. This is how vehicles function, basically. So then the thought is that this could be used basically to get into anything. I mean, th- theoretically, you could try to do it, but it does require some work on each device so like you'll go to one of these youtube channels or one of these sites and you will buy the tool to unlock the toyota or the lexus which i think owned by the same company right or then you will buy the one to unlock the bmw like when you go onto the listing it says all the different vehicles it can unlock it's not like a this will unlock any single car in america but this will unlock like a good chunk of the bmws in america you know and it's funny too because this is not necessarily a um, this is not a remote hack, right? This is not somebody kind of breaking into the network uh, that where your your key fob communicates to your door and getting in. This is getting into the the internal workings of the car to get it open and communicate with it, right? There's a breach that has to happen usually through the headlight, as you've pointed out, where you can get. Um, kind of into this CAN network to get inside. So that is like a step that you have to go through first. Yeah, you could think of it as like a physical access sort of attack in the, I don't know, you know, in the same sort of way that somebody may break into a data center and, and plug a USB key and there is a physical element there. They do have to get to the car. They have to physically breach it somehow by taking off the headlamps, as they said, and then they plug it in. But of course, when we're dealing with a physical object like a car, ultimately it's going to be physical anyway because these people are hoping to drive off with this car. Right. We're not quite. We're not quite at a stage of remotely hacking in and driving some of these car away. Although you know we'll do the podcast in three to five years, and, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that or something else stupid. But yes, it's a physical access attack for you know a, a physical benefit. And it'll be a, it'll be a Tesla that gets wirelessly hacked. I didn't want to say it, but a hundred percent calling it now. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent calling it now. Um, so what does it cost to buy one of these? You said it's like what, $10 worth of internals. So what does it cost to purchase one? If I were to want to purchase I mean, one, the sellers are making a pretty damn good markup. If you have $10 worth of uh, equipment i'm not exactly sure how much labor quote unquote would cost for this but these are being sold from anywhere for like two thousand two and a half thousand euros up to you know tens of thousands to depending on what exactly uh is being offered you know and that's usually about the brand you're going to vanish briefly while i bring it up in the story sorry everybody Mm -hmm. uh i've got it Specifically here, multiple websites and Telegram channels advertise their tech for between 2,500 euros and 18,000 euro, about 2,700 to 19,600. 
So you can buy a Nokia 3310 for about $3,800. Others are advertising it for $4,300. I like that it's, uh, I love this line, often sellers euphemistically refer to the tech as emergency start devices, normally intended for locksmiths. Um, right, and, and they they have all of these disclaimers on their site saying this is legitimate use only, blah blah blah. Then at the same time, they're advertising this technology hidden in the thirty three ten, and it says cool Nokia phone stealthy look. I don't know why a legitimate locksmith would need a cool stealthy look, you know. But um, I mean, it's it's bullshit. It's it's a hundred percent bullshit. Right. So. Yeah. What can can anything be done about this at the manufacturer level? Can like, are is this language not encrypted on the car itself? Well, I, I guess first of all, just on the consumer side, nothing can be done. You know, just if you own a car, let's mm-hmm. say, criminal comes up, they have the right one, they get into your car. I think that's wild. I think I think that's really really crazy. That short of sh- short of putting a cage or something around your headlamp or whatever the else the access point is for your specific car, right? Yeah, or one of those locks on a steering wheel that we used to see a lot. I don't know how common they are anymore. I haven't seen one of those in years. But my people parents, used to do that, right? My parents loved yeah. that thing. Yeah, they they had those with the locks on the steering wheel, and there was also one uh, where you'd put it under the ga- the gas or brake pedal to like lock that. Right. right. Yep. Um, so, I mean, apart from that sort of stuff on the consumer level, there's nothing. But to answer your question on a manufacturer level, the the, the fundamental issue with can is that the messages are just trusted if it if the vehicle or the can bus receives a message saying open the doors it's like well i've just been told to open the doors so i'm going to do it it doesn't verify where that's coming from so it's sort of analogous to uh ss7 which is a protocol and the related network that we've written a lot about uh for tracking phone location data and the issue of that is that a message gets sent across ss7 and then it's just trusted implicitly it's basically the same issue but now we're talking about getting into and driving off with your car now the researchers that we spoke to uh one of them said you know well there could be cryptographic protections you know and not going to get into the technical aspects honestly because it'd be a bit a bit above my pay grade specifically on the car stuff but it's more we're going to cryptographically verify that these messages are coming from a legitimate source which is very common in other aspects of cybersecurity, you know and the researchers said that this could be done via a software update like i don't think it's a hardware thing you you already a lot of car manufacturers are already going to have the infrastructure for handling cryptographic keys because cryptography cryptography is going to be involved in other aspects of the car maybe securing personal data that sort of thing so just somehow applying that to the can bus and messages could be possible uh, but I don't know if anybody's doing it. I mean, maybe there's a manufacturer that has done it somewhere, but that's not really the point because we're seeing these well, being used on tons of different brands or sold. Yeah. What would the? I mean, and what would the distribution vector be? Right? Because there's cars that this that this vulnerability affects that predate uh, like over-the-air push updates for cars, right? Because CAN is like an older electronic system uh, that everyone's kind of using, right? 
yeah, I mean, can is just going to be there baked into your car. As you say, if you're not using one of these more modern vehicles, which is receiving a nice little over-the-air update from whoever, you know, like a Tesla or something like that, or plenty of other cars, you're not going to have that sort of functionality if you're buying like an older used car, like I imagine most people probably do, right? Or, yeah. or at least a lot of people do. So those updates would have to be put in by the manufacturer at the point of creating the vehicle. But obviously that's not going to happen. Yeah. And if you wanted to update a previous car, like you'd have to convince people to come in, drop their car off, like get hooked up to a thing, update it. And that's even after like the cryptographic stuff has been baked, like created and baked in. Um, and right. like, even then that's a promise of maybe, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe this is exposing my ignorance, but like, it seems like if you had a decent enough dongle, you could probably still break the cryptography. Like, there's so many variables. It may just delay entrance into the car, you know, because the stuff like this, there's always, you're always moving. It's, you know, everyone's chasing each other, right? It's like an arms race where the criminals come up with something, manufacturers figure out a way to beat it down, and then on and on and on and on, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very much a cat and mouse game. And it is kind of like the sort of other car story we, we wrote about maybe a few months ago, maybe last year, about BMW sort of coding, I think it was called, which is where hobbyists and basically hackers will uh, crack the software to add new features that you would usually have to subscribe to, you know, like heated seats or whatever. All the mm-hmm. hardware's there, but BMW just has to turn it on. And then, you know, the coders will find some workaround, and then BMW or whoever will find their own. It's basically that. But this is a lot more urgent because we are dealing with, I mean, a safety issue yeah. and people just losing the, losing their vehicles uh, as well. This isn't about heated seats. <laughs> this is about losing your, your potentially main mode of transportation, you know, and cars are obviously very expensive as well. In uh, this, the, one of the reasons that we know about this is because a researcher, one of the researchers that like you talked to and kind of found out about all of this stuff had their car stolen in this way, Right. It happened to them twice, as twice? in I think the first time, well, I think the first time it failed as in the vehicle wasn't stolen, but he came out and the headlamps were removed. He was like, what the hell is going on? Somebody was trying to get my cables. Then it happened again, but then the car was gone and he was getting updates, like seeing like these error messages, I think. And then obviously being a cybersecurity researcher focused on cars that clicked. And then he went into this ecosystem. He actually bought uh, the Bluetooth speaker um, device and reverse engineered it. That's why they were able to write about all the technical aspect and how we're understanding how it works. Um, but this is happening, you know, and maybe we'll do a follow-up piece sort of on the, the scale and the spread of it. Obviously it's quite hard to quantify, uh, but I'm very interested how common this is. And I'm also interested like how are insurance companies going to respond to this if it's yeah. like hey my car was stolen because somebody bought a hacking device that looked like a nokia 3310 they were like what the hell are you talking about and i i would, would they even cover it like i don't know that's a really good question like who's liable here <laughs> you know right. and like um car companies are already like you said locking features that are already baked into the car it's on disc it's like all this stuff in the gaming industry that now everyone else has figured out how to do. It's on-disc DLC for your car that they're charging you a subscription service for later, things like heated seats, etc. 
Um, what if, you know, you want the latest security update for your car? That's going to be a hundred dollars and you have to bring it in or subscribe to some service where you can get, uh, the can, their proprietary cryptography on the can network is updated by, by a technician, you know? Um, and if you don't, if you don't sign up for it, then we're not going to cover it if it gets stolen or something. That's, that's obviously me speculating, but, uh, question from chat, uh, Matthew, still buying games on physical media? Uh, I have a rant about that that I'm not going to get into specifically on the podcast, but if you stick around after we run the credits here, I will I will go into it. Uh, the short answer is no, for very specific reasons. Um, set that aside for a minute. So that is a tease, if you're listening to the podcast, to come in and talk to us in the streams. Okay. Uh, so the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is that there is this fight going on right now, not just around cars, but cars are a big part of it around the right to repair, right? Uh, farmers in Colorado, the, the governor signed this bill uh, where they can repair their own tractors. This kind of thing is the kind of thing, the, the kind of the, this, this kind of crime is fodder for manufacturers to argue that they uh, need to be in control of the ecosystem of the cars and devices, right? It is the kind of thing that, that they say, like, look, if you want, we can't have you in complete control of your vehicle because it's going to get stolen, you know? And if uh, it, there's, there's all sorts of issues here around this, what do you, uh, what do you think about this in, in relation to the right to repair? I mean, I was almost going to take the opposite. Really? Um, I, 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 I don't know as much about right to repair as sort of you and Jason. So, like, I'm probably, like, the misinformed outsider. But I, I can somebody make an argument being like, look, the car manufacturers are not dealing with this issue. Um, hey, there's Cyber Listeners Matthew here. Let's take a pause right now while Joseph deals with his technical issues. We'll be back after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back, cyber listeners. Are you- Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're back. Yes, I'm very sorry. I have switched devices. It's actually quite a bad issue. So I will participate like this. You will participate like this. We're going to have a nice. Uh, that's totally. Un- that's totally fine. I completely understand. Um, not sure. visually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's like the the Discord. Discord is also weird. Discord has all kinds of issues, but anyway. So, uh, you, you were giving me your argument for how this is a right to repair issue and is actually an argument against the manufacturer. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say that I could see the argument being made that, look, the manufacturers are not dealing with this, you know, say it becomes a real issue where all of these cars are being stolen. We need to be able to have the capability to add this update or protection ourselves. 
you know, and I don't think that's going to happen overnight. Uh, but, I, but I can see an argument being made there. No, I think that's a good argument. I think that's the right one. But I think that it, this is going to be like when uh, there was right to repair laws, laws around cars up in Massachusetts. Uh, some of the ads they were running were uh, they staged a like an assault uh, against a woman in a parking garage, like and filmed it for this advertisement for this anti right to repair advertisement. Um, and their mm. argument was uh, that the criminal can get into your car and hurt you if we allow more information about the security of your car to get out. Um, that ad camp, it was like one of the most expensive uh, lobbying efforts in American history was trying to make sure that this right to repair law uh, didn't pass. It did pass. It got crushed. Um, but that is like, the, that's the kind of fear and terror that they use to uh, drive this on. And I expect like when they start figuring out about this, that it's going to get integrated into that message into the right to repair fight. Um, Cause it's very, it's very tied in, but I do, I do think you're right. Like, uh, and you know, I'm old school. Like I think more control over your stuff and what you can do with your stuff and less manufacturer locks is better period. Um, you know, there's the old saying, and I say this not using a Linux system, but like in the old days, like, uh, Like you could get a Windows machine and getting a Windows machine was like getting a car and having to have a manual for it. Buying an Apple machine was like getting a luxury vehicle that you were like completely tied into, uh, didn't get a manual for it. And if anything broke down, you had to go back uh, to the to the dealership. Um, And then meanwhile, there's the Linux people who are across the street giving away tanks for free. And you just got to read a 500 page manual to figure out how to do it. Um, I'm usually the kind of person that would rather figure out how to read that 500 page manual. Yes. Yes, that's true. Um, all right. So I want to get into also kind of expand out here at the end. Why does this stuff always happen on telegram? Why is telegram always the vector for like every crime story that you write about? It's a good point. And, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and like, why is this not happening more on Wicker or WhatsApp or something like that? I mean, first of all, there is a feature thing here. You know, Telegram has channels where if I'm a criminal and I just want to advertise a service, but I don't want a bunch of people spamming the chat, I will set up a channel where I just broadcast a message like, hey, new item in, there might be new drugs in, there might be new... Uh, phones, whatever, you know, so they can do that. You can also have very, very large group chats. Obviously, you can do this on uh, some other services as well, but one or a few groups I'm uh, inside, which are related to the SIM swapping community, you know, there are hundreds or thousands of people inside those. And it's like, I don't know, 300 SIM swappers all posting, hey, I have an insider at T-Mobile if anybody wants to go ahead. And sure, you could do that on Discord as well, and obviously people do, but Telegram just feels quick and, and snappy, and, it, and it's great for that reason. You can very easily then just move into a DM as well. Um, I don't know if Discord sort of... Well, no, it does have a bot feature, but the bots on Telegram are very easy to use. Uh, I've seen plenty of people offering, you know, here is my bot for getting 2FA codes, and it's all in 
integrated into Telegram. So it's just very efficient. It's very streamlined. It's a great tool for criminals not only to network, but to like directly interface with the tool that they're selling. And it's also famously hands-off, right? Um, yes. Like the moderation is, I mean, maybe non-existent is a little bit unfair. Like I'm sure they would remove some stuff. You know, they did clamp down on, on ISIS material for a little bit. I haven't seen that. I haven't looked into that recently. But yeah, you report a channel or somebody reports a channel. I don't think that's being taken down. You know, I, I don't even know necessarily if a lot of this stuff would even violate uh, terms of use necessarily. Yeah, the, they've got a very uh, free speech first kind of attitude at Telegram, which has made it uh, both useful and horrific for me as well, but in a very different way, because um, I use it for monitoring the war in Ukraine, because um, every every soldier in that front is posting somewhere, and a lot of them are posting on Telegram, and they can post things on Telegram and be sure that they're not going to get pulled. Um which is why you, how you get like some pretty horrific, like especially back in the Islamic state days, like some pretty horrific propaganda circulating. Um, but like, I get this raw feed into a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally see elsewhere. Like you're not going to see this on Facebook. You're not going to see it on Twitter. Um, and there's something about the, and this is something that we talked about, I think with the discord leaks as well. Maybe I talked on the, on the vice podcast where it's this pseudo private, thing right where there's like just enough Mm -hmm. you know like discord and telegram you have to know you have to get like a link into the channel right and it's not super hard to get that link into the channel but it's like one step removed from it being a complete public space right yeah you have to find the link you have to find the correct group to join um and also you know your Telegram account is linked to a phone number, but you can hide it. Yep. But it's not kind of typically shown very obviously. It's just you're a username in a big group chat, similar to Discord, yeah. Um, RingZ says, I think we will find out soon that Telegram is a giant Intel watering hole, either intentionally or because it's been compromised. I think, I mean, there's, when you've got the guy that runs the Wagner group running his own channel and like pumping out stuff, like it, it, that's what it is. Like there's intelligence in there all the time. Like there's so much stuff when I'm, I'm tracing, I'm like trying to figure out where a Russian official said something. It's like on their telegram channel, like every time, like they're there. So Intel stuff is happening there constantly, constantly. Um, do you happen to know is telegram P to P encrypted or do they have any kind of encryption? For, for Telegram, if you want it to be end-to-end encrypted, you have to turn on uh, a secret conversation. And that will enable the end-to-end encryption. It will also wipe messages after you've ended the conversation. I I rarely use it because the other person sort of has to do it mm-hmm. uh, as well, or rather they have to respond to you in that way. And whenever I've started a secret conversation with like a lot of criminals or something, they they don't respond, you know, and then you just ping them normally and you just get a response a lot quicker. So people are barely using it. I'm obviously smarter ones might be, but it's not the default. And I think people understandably do just use the default. Why do you think that is? 
Like it's, it seems like if you're going to do crimes on one of these apps that has end to end encryption and automatically erasing messages, why would you not just turn that on by default? That's wild to me. It's, I think it's because you have to do it per every single conversation. It is a stupid UI thing. It's not like Signal where you go in and it's automatically end-to-end encrypted, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And to be and sort of to balance that out, Signal used to have it, so you had to, every time you started a conversation, you had to then turn on disappearing messages. And it was such a pain that people wouldn't do it. You know, I'd have people pinging me and sending me a big ream of text. It's like they haven't put on disappearing messages. This is going to sit here now. Now Signal has it where, oh, if you start a new chat, you can set it so the default is four weeks or one week or one day or whatever. That's a relatively new feature. Telegram, uh, as far as I know, doesn't have that. You know, uh, maybe introduced it recently, but I certainly haven't seen it. It's very, you, you can get all fancy and you can have all like these very, um, you know, successful criminals, that sort of thing. And it always comes down to, it's just like a crappy UI on them. You know, it's like a usability feature. Um, well, I think I'm going to let you go. What else are you working on? Uh, if you can more tell me stuff. Yeah. More stuff on actually criminals on telegram, people selling stuff on there. Um, we'll have that soon. And then some other catchy companies. Well, Joseph Cox, as soon as you break those stories, I'm sure you'll be back onto cyber to walk us through that. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast and you like the show, please follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash motherboard tv or on youtube at youtube.com forward slash motherboard uh you will get notifications when we go live we're streaming once a week we're getting we're gonna start doing this at a specific time every week now thursday around two-ish that's what we're going to be doing so uh mark it in your calendars you can come by and watch in a normal time participate in chat we have a good time here lots of good questions i didn't even consider the right to repair angle uh before chat brought it up but i think it's a very good one um and you're, you can listen to us have conversations about other things uh, before we start recording, which we've been doing quite a bit of. I'm about to rant about physical media here in just a second. Uh, thank you, everybody. I will let you go. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.